This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Interviews with leaders, changemakers, and real-world influencers. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Your support means a lot. Now, here's your host. Hi, I'm Benson Gregory. Our special guest in studio this week is Ked Frank. He is the president of Refuge for Women. Ked, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Ked, give me a quick thumbnail sketch. Exactly what is Refuge for Women? Yeah. Yeah, we started Refuge for Women back in 2009. And, and uh, you know, what we do is we provide safe housing for women that are survivors of sex trafficking. Women are just escaping just some of the worst things that, you know, you and I can even imagine. And, and so what we do is we provide a just a, a program where they can begin again, get to a safe location, have a, a staff of 24-7 care where people are are uh, loving on them, providing therapeutic services. And hopefully by the time they, they leave refuge for women, they, they've got a, a vision of, of uh, where they'd like to go in life and, and uh, you know, uh, have, have healed from a lot of trauma that they experienced when they were being uh, victimized in the sex trafficking world and um, employment, safe housing, and, and all that stuff in place. And so it's really getting them out of harm's way and, and giving them a chance to start the healing process and begin again in their lives. Now, we are uh, familiar with you because of your work here in Central Kentucky, but Refuge for Women is actually a nationwide organization, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So we started we started here locally, and then, um, you know, we were serving the residents for a, a few years, and an invitation from a, a group in Chicago came to us that said some of the women that they were sending to us out of Chicago um, weren't able to leave the state of Illinois or for kids. You know, because the kids, they needed to stay local. So they, you know, said, what would it take for you to uh, put a home up here in the Chicago area that we could serve ladies up here? And so, you know, we accepted the invitation and, and began working on that. And it wasn't much longer after that that uh, an invitation came from a group in Las Vegas and said, what would you think about the idea of a home in Las Vegas? And so can't say that we necessarily envisioned uh, when we started refuge here in central Kentucky on a 50-acre farm, uh, my best friend and his wife's uh, property in an old farmhouse, that it would grow like it has. But yeah, we're, we're in San Diego now and Houston and Dallas and Las Vegas and Chicago and, and uh, Kentucky and, and uh, Pittsburgh. And, and uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's grown and we're getting a chance to, to work with a lot of people today. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome that God has used you that way. Um, in case you're just joining us, uh, this is probably not uh, the kind of program that you would want your younger children listening to. We're not going to talk about anything graphic, but there will be probably some words that might raise some questions that uh, you're not quite ready to answer yet. But if you have young children, this is definitely the program you need to be listening to because we're going to talk about some things that you as parents need to be aware of. Take us back to the beginning, kid. Um, you're a founder or the founder of Refuge for Women. Yeah. How did uh, you get that put on your heart to, uh, to, yeah. to, to start a ministry that basically rescues women out of sex trafficking? Yeah. Yeah, you know, my wife and I were both working at Southland Christian Church, and uh, my wife continues to work there. She's been there about 20 years now. I was working as one of the pastors of the church, and, and I, I'd felt in my heart that God was calling us to um, do a similar work here that we had been doing up in Ohio. We were working with men with drinking and, and this addiction, addiction issues up there. And so I felt like God was calling us to, 
to start something similar for men here in central Kentucky. And I, I learned about an outreach here in Lexington that was going on to the strip clubs. And every, every Wednesday night to five different strip clubs, there was a group of about 100 women that were either cooking, delivering food, or, or just praying for the women there. And um, after I got, honestly, Benson, after I got, you know, the, the shock worn off a little bit of thinking that good, godly Christian women were going to strip clubs every Wednesday night, thinking, okay, is that okay? Is that not okay? You know, I right. started realizing what an incredible outreach. And, and but they had been doing this for several years and, and uh, some of the women were starting to say they, they want to get out. They wanted a safe place to go and they were in complicated situations. And, um, and so I had learned about what was going on and, and actually had talked to the founder and she said, you know, would you please join us in prayer about a, uh, about a, a, a safe place that women who want to get out could go to. And a series of events just started not to go into too many details. You know, the, our, our time together is not that long, but a series of events started happening where my wife and I knew God was calling us to to not only just be in, involved and 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 be praying, but also to to put action to it. And like I said, my best friend, him and his wife, bought this farm and had an old farmhouse on it. And and uh, you know, he and I were sitting at Cracker Barrel, and I I. I said, you're, I said, I feel really awkward asking you this, but I, all week long, this has been on my heart. Do you think God wants to use that property that you just purchased to do ministry and, and put women on that property who need to get out of these dark, dark places? And he looked at me and Benson, it's, it's one of those conversations you don't forget. He looked at me and he said, you're not going to believe this. But he said this morning at four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I have never in my life heard the voice of God more clearly than I did this morning. And he said, I literally felt like I heard the voice of God tell me that's not your property that you just bought, but I'm going to do ministry on that property. And we're sitting in Cracker Barrel in, in Danville, Kentucky, looking at each other going, what in the world are we in the middle of right now? That's awesome. And, uh, it, we knew, we knew God was calling us to, to, uh, to, to open up a home and uh, let people come and, and begin again. Wow. That's amazing. Uh so I, normally that's one of the huge first steps is one of the major hurdles is, you know, overcoming facilities. And, and that was almost easy for you, wasn't it? Well, that, that, that gave confirmation of a location. Now I will tell you when I say old farmhouse, I will tell you, uh, <laughs> let, let me stress old. Um, so a 85 year old farmhouse that was flea infested that, that, uh, had termite damage that, uh, um, t saying it needed some TLC is probably not giving it justice, you know. And so, mm. so we got we gutted we gutted the whole house. And I there was a a fellow who was retired who uh, I sat at his kitchen table and I said, "What would you think about leading the charge to to renovate that old house?" And he said, "I'll how about I buy you a gas can and we burn it down <laughs> and let's start over." And and he said, "I think it would be easier to do that." But he led I've the heard charge. that before, yeah. He said, how much money do you have to work with? And I said, we have $1,200. You know, he's like, you want to renovate an entire home on $1,200. And I said, let's get started. Let's get started. I think God is in this. And let's, uh, let's, let's just believe and trust that God will provide as we get going. And we did. And, and uh, that, was back in, uh, that was back in about 2008. And, uh, and then we officially launched in 2009. But, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it, at least we had the location nailed down, but there was, there was a lot of the body of Christ coming together and using their skill sets to be able to accomplish something that was bigger than, than any one of us could have ever imagined. 
That's that's fantastic. How did you get started as far as bridging the gap between you've got the facilities now, so now you need to actually begin the really hard part, which is rescuing yeah. the women from the industry yeah. who want to get out. Yeah. You know, we 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 raised some money, we hired a staff and uh <laughs> and, and literally we we sat there for a couple of weeks waiting for our very first person to come and I, I'll never forget this and my my uh my wife being like, Are you sure we did the right thing? And I'm like, Honey, I no longer work at, at Southland anymore. Uh we we have literally dove into this. You know, there there's no there's no looking back now going, Okay, was this the right thing, the wrong thing, you know, and so the first woman came from Miami, Florida, who who came into the home and she stayed for three days and decided she you know, it was weird that she was the only one there. And so she decided to leave. And our second one came from Detroit, Michigan. And, you know, and it didn't take long and, and word started getting out that there was a safe place for for uh, people, you know, doing sex work to, to go to. And uh, before long, you know, we, we did have a, a house full of people. And in those early days, we were doing the very best we could. You know, there really wasn't another group that we were aware of to be able to model after. And uh, we, you know, we, we made about every mistake you could make in those early days. But we, we tried to learn and get better and but yeah, those early days were, were interesting, but, but, you know, honestly, we started realizing there wasn't a lot of safe locations across the country. And so that's, that's the reason, you know, today we've served women from 24 different states um, because, you know, we'll get a phone call. We, you know, somebody will say, we have a woman in North Carolina right now. Can she come to one of your homes? We have a woman in, in uh, California. Can she come to one of your homes? And uh, so 24 states we've served um, to date. The, Flip side of this argument um, that I hear is, you know, as far as like adult entertainment goes, we'll call it. Um, yeah. Those women are there by choice. They make really good yeah. money. You know, they're doing it because they want to. They're, you know, most of them are putting themselves through college and it just, it pays super well. And they're just doing it for a yeah. little while and they're in full control and it's not a big mm -hmm. deal. So why would yeah. anyone need to be rescued from a job that they want? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, when you call it adult entertainment, again, basically what you're doing is, is, uh, you know, and again, that's, that's, that's a way of um, putting a very just fun, acceptable label on something that has a very dark and seedy and, and detrimental uh, side to it. But yet if we package it with flashing lights and, and, uh, smiling people and, and it's just entertainment, it's just for fun. Um, you know, it, it really, you know, uh, it, it gets uh, seen much, much differently, but, but, you know, the, um, um, and I, I tell men's groups this when I talk to them, you know, and I tell them guys, you know, when you go into those strip clubs, um, I've had a chance over the last 11 years to get to know hundreds, hundreds of these women. And let me, let me tell you a little bit about who these women are that are in there working and so they do seem, you know, they're, they're, they're smiling, they're laughing. This is, this is fun. First, first of all, they're, they're under the influence of, of drugs and alcohol, first of all. And so they can't do what they do sober because of the grotesqueness of it. The other thing is that um, they are not fond of you. And, and so the opportunity for them to, um, again, take your money to, to, basically create a fantasy for you that will benefit them is, is what's going on there. And, and so 
the majority of these women are rape victims. They're uh, survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Many of them are single moms. They're, they're, in, they're in terrible relationships with people, with men. And so uh, when you start presenting some of the facts that go on there, there's fights that break out in the, in the locker rooms in the back. All of a sudden, it, it really does kind of hinder the fantasy that you want. To, and it's the same thing with pornography, Benson. It's, you know, I mean, you know, again, you want to envision that I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just, this is, you know, uh, it's entertainment. It's just for fun. It's, uh, you know, something I'm, I'm doing myself, whatever. And the, the reality is, is that, uh, you know, the, when you support prostitution, pornography, strip clubs, you're contributing to a very, very evil, dark industry that is destroying lives, mm-hmm. destroying lives. And, and I'm not saying that because I've read that somewhere or just because I'm, I'm saying that because this is what we do day in and day out. And uh, when you meet these women, you realize that their stage names are not really who they are. They really do have a real name. They really do have a story. And when they're just crying and crying and crying about all the trauma they've been through, you start realizing that they, they don't want to be there. They're doing their, they're, they're there to survive. They're there to make. The other thing too is that it's true. Some of them do make some really good money. And then there's other nights where they don't even make enough money to even pay for the DJ and for the security so that, you know, maybe it costs them a hundred dollars to, to you know, tip everybody. And they only made $30. So they lost $70 coming in that night. And well, so, and, and you said if they if it requires you know drugs and alcohol in order to even do the job, then the, the expenses are pretty high there as well, they right? Are. They, they not, are. I mean, they not, are. Not, not, not the physical toll. Even we haven't even gotten there yeah. yet on on it, their bodies exactly. from the drugs and alcohol, but just it, on you exactly. know the expenses. Exactly, and and none of the none of the none of the the workers are you know doing the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University plan where they've got <laughs> probably not no 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 and so again maybe even if there is a night where they made say they made a thousand dollars you know again uh, that money is is going as fast as it's coming and uh, pe- you know people stealing from them and uh, the drugs and alcohol the, the 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 dude who's living with them who's not contributing to the rent for the apartment or the, the cell phone bills utilities and so. It is. It's a very, it's just a, you know, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. And, and in, the sec, in, the, in the sex work world, you see the enemy at work in just such, you know, destructive ways. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, so is there any issue other than convincing them to leave? Is there, is there like, obviously with prostitution, you, you deal with someone who's in control of them? who's sometimes even holding them like literally hostage, like captive. Uh, do you see that with, uh, with the clubs or is that not the case there? It, it, there, there is, there is uh, pimps, there is trafficking that goes on in the clubs. It, it goes on on the streets and it goes on online as well too. I mean, there's, you know, um, there, there's websites. Uh, I, I could give you 10 different websites where basically it's, it's, a, it's an online brothel is what it is where, where the women are selling themselves. And so again, you may not, you know, people see like the the movie Pretty Woman that was, you know, came out years ago and they think of this high class call girl out on the streets. Well, today, you know, it's all moved online. And um, and so it's basically like, you know, what are you looking for? And there's somebody who's selling that service. And and so the trafficking, some of, you know, again, you, you see the women that sometimes they are, you know, there's not somebody they're handing the money over to at the end of the day, but then you, you know, a lot of times there is somebody else involved 
um, as, as well that's helping promote them, or promote their services or somebody that's controlling them in some capacity. And so, you know, again, it's, uh, um, and, and when you say about convincing, you know, uh, for, for us, you know, there, there's really no, like we, since we don't do outreach ourselves, all we do is wait for our phone to ring. Oh, okay. Um, you know, what, what we do, you know, there's groups around the country who do outreach and then, but they don't, many of them don't have next steps in place. So they call us and they say, we have somebody. And do you have any beds? All we do is the healing process. We, I we see. Work. So you're step two, basically. We're step, we're step two. And, and the other thing too, is that, you know, like with anybody, I mean, somebody's got to want to change. Somebody's got to want to leave the situation. So you, you can, and, and it's people who are listening to this, to this program right now, I mean, again, they've probably talked to, to, to loved ones who maybe are, are dealing with an addiction of some kind. And, and you can talk to them till they're blue in the face, but until that individual is ready to, to do the hard work to make the changes, they're, unfortunately, they may say, yes, I'm willing today. And they may be right back in it again tomorrow because, you know, maybe they're starting to entertain the idea of what would life look like outside of being a stripper? What would life look like outside of this individual controlling me? What would life look like not being on drugs? They have to come to that place of saying, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate and I'm, I'm ready to make the hard changes and leave the people who are keeping me locked in this uh, destructive cycle. Well, if you're just joining us, we're talking today with uh, Ked Frank. He's the president of Refuge for Women. Uh, you said you've helped women in 24 states, is that right? 24 states so far, yep. And you guys are, we just learned step two in helping women break free of the human trafficking, sex trafficking life and um, take steps to, to doing we're Re, basically reintegrating into society and, and um, uh, I hate to say upstanding, but I mean, we'll, we'll just say it, you know, that's to learn. You're even teaching skills. You're helping people get jobs um, right. and bringing them into the normal society. Um, it, and it's, it's so, and I'm, I'm trying to be cautious here because I don't want to paint too realistic of a picture, frankly. Um, how, how does a woman go from not working in this industry and we've established that why it's so bad uh, with the drugs and the alcohol, with, you know, the depravity, with, you know, you, you, you mentioned they don't like their customers. Um, so how do you go from a normal life into working in that kind of industry? What happens to someone to end up there? Give me some real world stories that you've heard. Of, of how people end up in that environment? Yeah. What, what decisions? I mean, it's surely you don't just wake up one morning and, and decide you want to go work in the sex industry. Yeah. Yeah, the the common the common denominator, first of all, is desperation. And so, yeah, you no nobody grows nobody 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 grows up wanting to be a porn star. Nobody grows up wanting to be a stripper or a, a prostitute. I mean, uh, that that's not what little girls dream of. And and so, um, overwhelming majority of our um, residents that we've had a chance to work with over the last ten years, um, again, the trauma. I mean, the the trauma of their lives. Maybe they've lost loved ones that they've you know, never grieved. And so again, that's been a wound in their heart. Maybe there's been abuse that they've experienced, violence that they've experienced growing up, you know, violence in their you know, teenage years. Maybe they became a mom way too early in life and now they're, they're, you know, they weren't able to finish high school and they're you know, in, in, in just a cycle of, of survival mode. Desperation is what takes somebody though to the strip club, desperation and addiction. Um, will take them to a porn set or, or, or cause them to make decisions that, uh, 
normally normally if they were in a you know a, a better place their decision making would they they wouldn't end up there you know but again they're they're desperate they're trying to survive and they're not necessarily maybe thinking about the long term effects of going okay I'm going to be out there on the internet now forever or you know or you know I'm going to be labeled in this particular way that yeah, having you know worked in the strip club so so desperation and and uh, and trauma you know addiction those are the kind of things that have them end up now how do they go into a life of not doing that it's a process it's a so so just because somebody says I no longer want to be a prostitute typically and I don't say that this isn't it's not 100 percent it's never 100 percent typically that's not just like okay now I'm going to go get a job at Toyota I'm going to go get an apartment and I'm going to you know really start you know enro enrolling in college and and pursuing you know being a lawyer now and and uh it's it's just typically not that clean of a of a change and so if if you make the decision i'm I'm no longer going to do sex work anymore for many of them, that's what I know to do. I don't have skills outside of what has become familiar to me over the last five ten fifteen twenty years and so we've we've had women that have done they they've come to us in their sixties. Oh wow. They have been they have been a prostitute for 40 years. Wow. Can, can you imagine can you imagine the 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 mental shift to say I can at, at 60 years old I can begin a line of work different than all I've known since I was 20 years old. Yeah, that, especially that, that, that has that, no that, skills to transfer. That's a God thing. I mean, that, that's a God thing. And so, so, so part, so when they come to the refuge, I mean, therapy is a big piece of what we do. I mean, they're meeting with licensed clinicians uh, regularly. They're in group work. They're, they're, they're learning how to, to resolve conflict with a house full of other people. They're, they're, they're learning how to, you know, have, have a, a structured day. So some of these are, are, are basic things that should have been learned years ago, but, but again, because of, because of just um, the, the, the difficulty of where they're coming from, there's a lot of very basic things that um, were not learned or have been forgotten because of just life on the streets and, and the hustle. And, and so, again, that's why it's a two-year program that we have, you know, from, from a long, you know, the, the first year, which is the program, to the second year, which is transitional living. And so our desire is to walk with them as long as we can to, to, to provide a very therapeutic environment to, you know, to, um, you know, introduce them to a savior who, who can change their heart to, to bring healing, to help see themselves differently to also the job skills, which is, you know, we can, we can talk about it now or later, but a, a new program that we've started at refuge this year, uh, where we're actually we started a business where we're training them to, to right now make candles and uh, there'll be more products in the future, but right now it's candles. And so, so th it's a, it's a process and it, it doesn't change overnight to, uh, to, to, to think differently and to start looking at life differently than how they've looked at it in the past. And no, I, I think now would be a great time to talk about the, the vocational program. Uh, in order to really bring someone through a, a full transition to rescue them, to have them change their mindset, to have the spiritual change, and then to, for it to stick, you have to like set them up for success once they're out of your program. And, you know, and that's and where vocation comes in, right? It, exactly. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've uh, uh, really not done well with that at times in the past where, 
man, they had an awesome one year program with us. But, you know, if, if they're, if, if they can't get into safe housing after the program, if they can't be set up for employment after the program, unfortunately, I mean, they're, you know, when push comes to shove, they're going to do what they have to do to survive. And, and that, and we've, we've seen that to go, okay, some, some people get phenomenal jobs and others, it's a real struggle. And so mm-hmm. what we've done is we've started this program, we're calling it survivor made. And one of our, one of our uh, former residents started making candles. She was familiar with making candles and she made several thousand candles and decided that she was done making candles and I don't want to make any more candles. I'm tired of candles, you know? And so, <laughs> uh, so we, we decided, you know what, this was a really great idea that she'd come up with and some of the other residents were interested. And so we bought all the equipment from her and we started making candles. And now, you know, I don't know how many thousands of candles we've made up to this point, you know, but this is becoming a really good thing for us. And, and so if you go to survivormade.org, it's our social enterprise. And, and what we're doing now is instead of waiting until like the, the second phase of the program to say, okay, now you've been with us for six months. Now it's time to start talking job skills. What we're doing now is actually starting to have them do some work while, literally 30 days into the program they're starting to work get paid an hourly wage where that money can go into a savings account and and hopefully by the time they're done at refuge they've got several thousand dollars saved up from the time that they were working with us but this is these candles i mean first of all i i think i think my wife has bought more candles probably than anybody i'm going okay honey we got to pace ourselves here you know i mean she loves she loves candles and they smell amazing you know and so uh-huh. they they're they're really it's really a good product but it's made by women that are making major, major changes in their lives. And so man, I, get, I give these things away right and left. You know, when people send donations to refuge, I'll send them a box of candles. And literally, it, it, when they know this was made by a woman who is making huge strides forward, it just means something to them. Yeah. It means something to that donor to go, man, my $100 gift or $500 gift is literally contributing to a woman who touched this candle right here. She poured it. She made it. And she's got her initials on it, you know, and, and uh, it, it's, it's something special. So, again, it's called Survivor Made. And we're actually, you know, experimenting with other products as well, too, Ben. We're, you know, down to our, our, um, our Dallas location. Um, you know, leather is a big thing in Texas, obviously, you know. And so they're actually, they're making handbags. And so oh, wow. they're, 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 they're just getting started with that. But they're making handbags. And so it's like, you know, what if our Las Vegas location comes up with a really cool product that, that, is local there what if our san diego site comes up with a product you know so who knows we may have uh you know a whole uh, a whole website full of products here in the near future but right now our biggest thing is the, the, the candles that we're making yeah and then uh, like you said it all feeds back into helping these women make this life transformation and you're exactly. literally rescuing them from you know human trafficking exactly um, one of the things that we I had on the list to talk about that I don't know that we've touched on yet is the emergency shelter house. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that law enforcement here for the state of Kentucky had, had told us, Benson, was, you know, again, our program, you know, because of the long-term nature of it, um, you know, they said, you know, when, when they find a woman who needs to get into a, a specialized program, again, I mean, if there's a, a, a few days process of getting them into the program from the interviews to the you know just getting them in um that that's pretty tough on them and so you know we've been talking for years about man we really need an emergency home where law enforcement finds somebody boom they can get them onto the onto the farm and into um, into a safe place immediately and so last year we actually purchased from my friend the 53 acres uh in december last year we, we 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 bought it you know just many 
generous contributors here in Central Kentucky helped helped us secure that property. The the home that uh, my friend you know uh, had built was just a beautiful beautiful home. So we actually opened up a 16 bed. It's a multifamily, uh, fully licensed facility on that 53 acre farm. So we have our long term home and now an emergency home as well too. 16 beds. So it's it's a 30 to 90 day 30 to 90 day home. And so you know, again, it's the first of its kind in the state of Kentucky. And so we're super, super it's only been opened up for two months. And, uh, you know, at, at one point, at one point, Benson, you know, we had, uh, we, it's actually filled up faster than we were even anticipating. And we had uh, like 20, 24 phone calls in a matter of 10 days. With oh, people wow. saying, can I get, a, can I get a woman in there? Can I get a woman in there? Can I get a woman in there? We've only just, we just opened. And so we're actually in the process of opening up a second emergency house up in Pittsburgh, we're going to open up another one. So I'll give us 32 emergency beds between two locations. And so ideally, some of those women, some of the women may say, hey, 30 to 60 days is what I needed. And then we're going to get them into a, maybe a domestic violence shelter, or we're going to get them into a, you know, a different type of program. Some of them will want to come into our long-term program. And so our goal is that all of our long-term beds at our seven different locations, all of our long-term beds at once, at some point will be filled by women who come into the emergency home we can assess, we can get them safe, we can figure out what are their needs. And then, and then those that want to continue on with us will go in, you know, okay, we've got two beds open in Chicago. We've got one bed opened up down in Houston. We've got one bed opened in Las Vegas, you know, and we'll fill them through the emergency house. But, you know, it becomes a two, a two year, um, you know, just, a, uh, you know, continuum of care, you know, emergency, long-term transitional living, they can be learning job skills, saving money, you know, and so we feel like we're, we feel like we're getting there, you know, we feel like we're, right. after, after 10 years, we feel like we're really getting just a lot of, uh, there's momentum picking up, there's just, uh, you know, it, it's exciting, it, it's, it's really, it's really exciting what's happening. I'm amazed at how far you've grown and what you've accomplished in 10 years. Uh, it makes my head spin a little bit hearing you talk about it. So <laughs> I know you're in it and you probably don't see it that way, but out here it's like, wow, you guys are killing it. That's awesome. It's a, it's a God. It's, it's really, uh, you know, and I, I, I say this and I mean it. I mean that Benson, I really, really mean it when I say, you know, honestly, every single person listening to this, to this program has driven past strip clubs We've, we've all made judgments about what goes on in strip clubs, who these people are that are there. And I will say that um, the idea of a mission to the entertainment industry, to, to sex workers, this was something that broke the heart of the father way before it broke my heart. Um, yeah. Never even crossed my mind that there ought to be a mission going on to that world. I'm going to think that's terrible. Yeah, that's really that's terrible that there's a strip club there. That's terrible that... That, that, that pornography is such a enormous, that's terrible. But the idea of, of our hearts being broken to say, well, let's do something about it. It was on the heart of God way, way, way before it was on my heart, you know? And so, so we've grown so much, first of all, because the need is so huge, but I, I think God was speaking to many other people as well too, beyond, beyond me speaking to other people around the country. I'll send you going, I had no idea this outreach was going on. I had no idea that you'd been praying about the same. It, you just start seeing, man, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is, it's huge. The Holy Spirit speaking to people all over and you just go, oh my goodness, you know, we serve an incredible God. We really do. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it's just amazing to see, you know, people being his hands and feet and working like this, which got to, it has to raise the question, how are you paying for all of this? Surely candles are not funding this whole thing. 
No, credit cards. That's how we're doing it. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Dave Ramsey <laughs> earlier, then you say credit cards. Oh, man. <laughs> Dave does not approve. <laughs> no, he does not approve. He does not approve. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's generous people. It's generous people. And so, uh, you know, we do a lot of, uh, you know, just uh, asking people to, to contribute, be a part of it. And, um, and so last year, last year, all of our sites combined, we brought in about 3.6 million last year. Um, you know, this year, you know, we'll see it's a, it's a crazy COVID 2020, 2020 year. So we'll see what, yeah. what it ends up being and stuff, you know, but God, God provides, he always provides and he puts it on the hearts of people. And so people that give $20 and, and people that give, you know, $50,000. And, and so, it's really about uh, uh, the, the provision. So we have church partners. We have, uh, you know, we have gala events. Um, you know, we have golf scrambles. Uh, you know, I, I talk to people regularly and invite them to partner with us. Um, and uh, and so it, it always uh, it always comes in one way or the other. You mentioned a gala event. You have a banquet coming up. We do. We do. Yeah, October October the sixteenth. We have uh, we have an event going on. Uh, at the Campbell House, uh, right, right here in Lexington, Kentucky, and we actually have a, uh, uh, you know, an artist that's going to be performing, Nicole Mullen. Okay. So a lot of people may recognize, uh, yeah. recognize her, and so she'll be coming up from Nashville, and and uh, it's it's Friday, October the sixteenth at eleven thirty at the Campbell House, and and so if uh, yeah, if you're interested in attending, we'd love to hear from you. You can call our offices or go on our website, refugeforwomen.org, and learn more about the the Refuge for Women Kentucky Gala that'll be taking place on uh, October the 16th. And that goes for anybody who's interested in either the gala or if they're just interested in learning more about the ministry and how they can support exactly. it uh, financially exactly. or in um, if, if they know somebody who needs the service. Um, and then if you're interested in buying candles to help out it. with that, yep. that's there as well. Refugeforwomen.org. You can find uh where, where to get a woman into the program to events to opportunities to become a monthly supporter and, and get involved. And so, yeah, all, all of us at refugeforwomen.org. Awesome. All right. Well, Ked Frank, uh, president of Refuge for Women, has been our guest today. Ked, thank you so much. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you and learning a little bit more about your ministry. And uh, let's, uh, let's make this a regular occurrence. I, I really appreciate the invitation. Thanks for thanks for taking time and your interest and your heart for the work that's going on. And yeah, I'd love to love to if, if people got questions or want to have more conversations, uh, please uh, reach out to us. Love to love to keep this conversation going on. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Benson Gregory. <laughs>